Hi, this is Tom Compton of We Hold These Truths. You're listening to the Unheralded News and Review and Pharisee Watch, brought to you by We Hold These Truths at whtt.org on the web. Each week we look into the events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events. Ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's podcast for Unheralded News and Pharisee Watch, we're going to do a follow-up story on the events that took place on Al-Quds Day in Washington, D.C. just recently, and also a vigil by We Hold These Truths at a Christian Zionist church in the Washington, D.C. area. It was the McLean Bible Church. So I'm going to have Leslie read the story here by Chuck Carlson, and then we'll discuss it. Al-Quds Day and a demonstration for peace at McLean Bible Church, posted by Charles E. Carlson, August 25, 2012. My story begins with my speech at a rally for peace in Jerusalem that was organized by Muslim friends and held at Sheridan Circle, Washington, D.C., a few blocks from the U.S. Capitol building. It ends 48 hours later in front of a war-making church that is actively engaged in blocking the path to peace. Al-Quds means Jerusalem in Arabic. Peace-seeking speakers from Christian, secular, and pro-peace Jewish groups added their voices to the Muslims, first in Jerusalem and then worldwide. The rally began not far from the Capitol building, where war upon Iran is being planned by war-making lobbies and a willing Congress, and ended with a dinner in St. Stephen's Church. I was moved by the hospitality of our Muslim hosts. In my talk, I concentrated on the warring impact of evangelical church teaching that the state of Israel is the fulfillment of biblical prophecy and that to them Israel can therefore do no wrong and all the land of the Philistines, including Al-Quds, belongs to Israel. I explained that one such evangelical church, McLean Bible Church, was only a few miles away and is one of about 3,000 megachurches that may be the single biggest obstacle in the U.S. to freedom for the Philistines. How can it be that a Christian church is a greater stumbling block to peace than the Israeli occupiers and the Congress that finances them? America is a war-based economy, and certain identifiable evangelical churches have elevated Israel to Jesus' level, support the political forces that bring war upon us. Rally attendees of all ages let me know they understood. Christian Zionism, as I define it, is the last grassroots stronghold of the institutionalized war machine in the U.S. Polls now show clearly that more than half of all Americans trust neither their elected Congress nor the media 
that filters and distributes the news and the political ads. Fox News, USA Today, and MSNBC are rated at the bottom for believability. Other polls show the trust rating for Congress is even lower than the media. I ask, who are the 49% of Americans who still trust the media? If 75% of the public did not believe Congress or the media, the war-based economy would be cooked. No politician or TV station could withstand such exposure. The answer is that Americans who are brainwashed weekly in Christian Zionist churches are a large part of the 49% who still go along with the war makers. We must realize that these churches are a part of the media and that about one-third of all churchgoers in America are taught that political Israel has a right to occupy the land of the Philistines and then killing, maiming, and destroying for Israel's interests is just that. The vast majority of the 40 to 70 million Americans who identify with churches like McLean Bible Church accept the notion that America's internal problems can be solved by political regime change so long as the new regime supports Israel's interests. This is what Christian networks and two or three national Bible study groups preach. The luckless Philistines are simply in the way of the Christian Zionist support for Zionism, which often trump the teachings of Jesus Christ. 36 hours after addressing the Muslim crowd in Sheridan Circle, I joined Francis a former member of McLean Bible Church, for a vigil outside that most successful Christian Zionist church in the D.C. area, led by Lon Solomon, who writes in his audio biography, What is a nice Jewish boy like me doing, making his living in this business? Some will find it odd that a self-professed proclaiming Jew runs a huge Christian church, it is not unusual. Indeed, McLean Bible Church is ostensibly a very good business, occupying a group of massive structures that includes a two-story concrete parking garage that will hold about 3,500 cars at one time. Located next to a busy freeway in Vienna, Virginia, a one-mile-long four-lane private highway encompasses the church. A private forest shields the entire front of the complex from the highway so that only two corners of the complex can be glimpsed through the trees. The claim Bible church reeks of power and money. It has two entrances off the freeway where on-duty local policemen spend their morning and early afternoon directing traffic in and out. I stood at one entrance supporting a visual display that read, Who Would Jesus Bomb? In the face of every auto that came in or went out past my post, Francis stood at the other entrance, a quarter mile north of me, 
with a similar message. Each of us held up a second symbolic display depicting a crucifixion with Palestine and Iran on the crossbars of bloody crosses. I would guess a minimum of 10,000 to 15,000 attendees and thousands of passerby read our messages. The only way an attendee could fail to see our message was to stiffen his neck and force himself to look away, but for the most it was too late. Children and youth stared as they passed. Most mothers tried to appear indifferent, perhaps sensing that Pastor Solomon would not approve if they read the signs. Some offered an encouraging honk or wave. A few marred the day with an obscene gesture. Fewer still slowed down to exchange words. Don't you know there never was a state of Palestine? One challenged. The two young men came out and reported how Pastor Lon explained our presence to the congregation. We are being picketed. They are against Israel. Pastor Lon may be a nice Jewish boy, as he claims, but on August 19th, he played his media card creating his own version of the truth, just as MSNBC and Fox News do. He knew we were not picketing the church, but challenging what he teaches. He wanted his flock to think we were there to attack them, not to correct his own errors of scripture. We know Pastor Law knows our purpose because we sent him and most members of his large staff a two-page letter that told them exactly what we would do and why we were doing it. One of those few who came out and made my day, he is a former Air Force veteran, and he showed me the spot on his substantial forearm where he said he would soon have the words from our message tattooed, Who Would Jesus Bomb? He said something like this, I want this on a tattoo because it is the essence of the conflict between war and Christianity. He is one who was not afraid to face the truth that the McLean Bible Church is part of the war-making problem. Wrapping it up, the imam at the park is right. America is part of the Philistines' problem. An ever-increasing percentage of all our people are willing to say our media cannot be trusted. America's evangelical Christian Zionist churches are part of this media, and their false doctrine is the largest obstacle to correcting the course of our war-based economy to one that seeks justice and peace for all men. Who would Jesus bomb? Maybe I am just the right age for my first tattoo. Thank you, Leslie, for reading, and thank you, Chuck. And if you get to this program before you listen to last week's On the Letter to Pastor Solomon, and then, of course, this is the follow-up of the event. Chuck, would you like to add any comments, uh, well, further uh, thoughts? Well, I must add, because the letter is is plenty long, and I think explains it, but... We learned a great deal from this vigil, 
and uh, that is that you need just two people sometimes, or sometimes three or four, but never a lot of people. And somehow keeping it humble and small and sticking to very scriptural statements, very scriptural messages is key to this idea of uh, challenging a church because their way out is to try to create in people's mind the idea that you're a terrorist and you're there to uh, harass them, to break up their service, to cause disruption. And uh, this is essentially what they do when they call you picketers. And uh, so Pastor Lon has had plenty of experience with us. We were there three months ago, and he had a long time to think about us coming back. And his statement, I think, is the key to this. They're here to picket us, and they're against Israel. This is basically the essence of what Christian Zionist leaders always try to tell their followers in order to keep them from listening to the scriptural truths that Jesus would have said about bombing Iran and Iraq and Afghanistan and all the rest of them. Well, Chuck, I think the interesting thing is we've been doing this now for over 10 years. We started before the Gulf War in 2003. We actually started back in October, November of 2002. And so we've learned a lot of things. We've done a lot of things incorrectly and probably offended some people. I can think of one sign that we've talked about, no more wars for Israel, and of course, in a case like this, as you point out, the pastor could say, well, they're against Israel. And so the idea that we've learned is that you have to stick with what Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for example. Now, he didn't say, who would Jesus bomb? I mean, that's a, a valid statement because it goes right along with the concept of blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the sons of God. Right, it's a simple application, I'd say of the scriptural message that everybody knows. Yeah. I think I think you can And love thy enemies. <laughs> well, that's right. Uh-huh. Love and to we we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. Yeah. And, and so the question is, who are our neighbors? Well, our neighbors are everyone, including our enemies. When yeah. you really look at it, I mean, people want to be selective about who their neighbors are, but the example of Jesus with the uh, good Samaritan that pretty well clears up who your neighbor is. Ron Solomon was very challenging and I think is an important part of this. And again, we, this is, we've learned this a long time ago, that you do uh, most of the work before you get there by doing a good job of letting the leaders of the congregation and at least right. the members of the staff know that you're coming and why you're coming. And this is done, of course, mm-hmm. by emailing to them with a well-constructed letter that challenges the church on what it's doing and explains that the vigil is a peaceful effort and is not a picket. Yes, so. a point well made. Well, we'd like to make the difference that not all churches go along with this. I had the ex- experience to hear a man from Palestine speak at an event for evangelicals. He has a, a very compelling story. His family's orchards near where the present-day airport is in Tel Aviv, and so they lost their land when the Israelis took over in 1948. But he's been working for reconciliation on both sides and so forth, so he doesn't have rancor. But 
he would not be allowed in a lot of these Christian Zionist churches because it's not loving Israel enough. Anything that would be against what Israel is doing would not be allowed, would not even be considered. It wouldn't be... Yeah, it would be considered in bad taste to tell a truthful story about Israel confiscating land from Philistines. That's just not acceptable in Zionist churches. Never mind whether it's true or not, it isn't acceptable to discuss that. The explanation that is given for that is, well, we know that Israel has done some things that are wrong, and they continue to do that, but they're, uh, they have fallen out of God's grace. Some places they'll even say God, and they, they'll find a scriptural place that, that supports this, uh, God has purposely put a veil over the eyes of the Jews so that they can't see right. So they do these things, but they're not doing it of their own volition. They're doing it because it's part of God's ultimate plan, and it will all straighten itself out in the end times. This is the way Israel's, quote, mistakes end quote, or, or, or let's say mistakes of genocide are, are explained. Right. Is there out of, they've, they've fallen out of God's grace, but that doesn't mean they won't be back. So we have to get, we have to cut them slack. There always seems to be some kind of an excuse, and yeah. the Christian Zionists have such religious fervor about it. At one of these talks, uh, there was a woman that I know, actually, who is a Christian Zionist, I don't know how else to describe her, has a ministry, um, uh, and she was challenging this man. And he, of course, explained the view, this view of dispensationalism. We don't need to go into it, but basically it's all wrapped around the concept that that, uh, for end times to occur, there has to be a physical state of Israel and rebuilding of the temple and all these kinds of activities whereas most Christians believe that Jesus' kingdom is a spiritual kingdom and that these physical things are not necessary for the return of Christ. And we think all Christians should think this, even though only half of them do. (laughs) Yes. Evangelizing should be our business, not war. (laughs) Well, exactly. So at our vigils, we're trying to evangelize the people in the church to pay heed to what Jesus taught us. Blessed are the peacemakers. It's just as I was explaining at a mosque for the Al-Quds Day celebration here in Phoenix, showing the clip of John Hagee praying for war in the name of Jesus. How in God's name could that be considered as a peacemaker? It defies all it's just it's just impossible it doesn't it does not uh, coincide ludicrous is the word maybe ludicrous yeah it's just it's it's unbelievable and the fact that people believe this and because of the fear that has been generated of muslims and this man from uh, who's a christian palestinian works with the palestinian muslims for reconciliation there too and so he's very sensitive to all these issues living in Israel. He actually is an Israeli citizen. And he points out that the Arab Israeli citizens don't have the same rights as the Jews that are uh, in Israel. 
and that it is getting harder on them. So, you know, this concept that the state of Israel is is a democracy only washes if you only consider the Jews are humans and people, and the rest of the people there are just something else. There's something of lower status, not well, Tom, high enough status to become I'll, I'll part of the de- a democracy. I'll say it. The common word used in Israel, that you only have to go there one time for for one day to hear it, is animals. Yes. Sorry, but that's the word they well, use oftentimes. Well, that's what this lecture was for, is to raise our awareness of the situation there and how intolerable it really has become. Well, I had a gentleman that came to this from my church, and, and the Christian Zionist lady was there from my church, and uh, this other fellow, and he he actually had made the comment once in a class, he thought God gave the land to Israel. He had been fooled by that and had never really questioned it, and so this talk, we think, helped open his eyes to see that there is something more than what we're finding out on Fox News and all our media and so forth that doesn't really tell both sides of the story there. At least he was willing to listen. Well, that's that's right. And so many Christians are religious to the point of turning their backs on people and not listening or thinking about the words of Jesus. That, to me, is the most amazing thing, that they can disassociate what Jesus taught us because Christianity is is all about a relationship with Jesus. It's not about a relationship with the state of Israel. Well, thanks again, Chuck. That That was an excellent report, and we hope people pass this on and make these reports take wings. Are you really going to get a tattoo? Oh, it's <laughs> if I did get a tattoo, I think that would be the one I would get. <laughs> well, maybe we could have some removable ones made up. Okay. You know, wear them temporarily. <laughs> that would be good to show up. <laughs> well, look at my tattoo. Maybe that's something we could put in our bookstore is, is sell uh, uh, hey, no. two of Jesus bombed uh, tattoos that you can uh, wash off after three days. All right, well, thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tell a friend about our podcast. And please visit our website, whtt.org. You will find a wealth of information and resources like the latest Pharisee Watch and unheralded news articles. Also, you can order our new video, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Even though this video is copyrighted, we don't mind if you copy it as long as you copy all of it. Then you can educate your friends and acquaintances about the dangers of Christian Zionism. Start small, think big, and press on toward the straight gate.